The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He puts in my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Cup overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whew. I love that video. We, uh, we showed that video uh, Easter 2020, right after the global shut down and everyone was doing church in their pajamas and this came on the TV and blessed all of us because during those days we needed a little bit of encouragement, didn't we? Anyone? And I would say two years and some change later, we need some encouragement today, right? And so uh, that is one of the things that I hope to accomplish this morning is just to encourage us. Now, as you probably recognize, that psalm is Psalm 23. It is the most famous psalm in the world. We, only, we not only hear this psalm in the church, but we hear it in the secular world, right? Like every single movie that you've ever seen where there's a funeral, you're going to hear, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You'll, you'll hear it. It's everywhere. It's funny. Um, this morning, I, I want us to see that it's not just a pretty poem that we can smile at, put it on a wall, we give, get warm, fuzzy feelings, especially when the kids say it, but that these six verses contain powerful promises for all of us if the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, the psalm was written by David later on in his life. I don't know if you know about King David. He started off as this obscure shepherd boy, this, the, uh, the youngest of eight boys. And, and God exalted him to the place of the most famous king over all of Israel. Uh, think about this. Throughout his one life, I wrote this down. Throughout his one life, he had been a shepherd, a singer-songwriter, a warrior, a poet, a military leader, a father, a fugitive, a friend, a worship leader, and a king. Full life, this David guy. He was called a man after God's own heart. Out of the 150 Psalms that we have, 73 of them are attributed to David. It's funny, if you look up the most popular scripture passage in America, it's not Psalm 23. Does anyone want to guess what the most popular scripture passage in America is? John 3.16, yes, ding, 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 ding. Yes, John 3.16, and rightly so. It is a fantastic scripture passage. But when you look globally across all nations, all tongues, all tribes, when you look to see what the most popular, the most memorized scripture passage in the whole Bible is, it's Psalm 23. It's crazy. Theologian Charles Spurgeon, who y'all know I love, call these six verses the pearl of the psalm. There is something about Psalm 23, the images and the promises that are contained in this song of David that bring great comfort and peace and courage 
and strength to believers all over the world. You see, there are some portions of scripture that are a clarion call to action, right? Feed the hungry, go make disciples, put on the full armor of God, magnify the Lord, be nice for heaven's sakes. But there are portions of scripture that are meant for our relationship with our God. They show us his heart for us. We're not meant to really do anything with them. We're meant to sit with them. We're meant to let them soak into the deepest parts of us for our restoration, to strengthen our faith, to give us hope, to give us courage, literally to change us from the inside out. So this morning, I want to look at three incredible promises that we get from these six verses that if the Lord is your shepherd, my prayer is that we are encouraged at least, but also enticed into deeper relationship with him. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you're going to open up somewhere near the middle. You don't have to go east or west just a little bit to get to Psalm 23, the 23rd chapter in the book of Psalms. It'll also be up on the screen. We're going to jump in. Some of you can say this from memory with me. So I encourage you. Let's all say this together if you want to. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now I have to tell you, there is an entire sermon just in the first line. I'm not going to do that to y'all. But when you get home, open it up, read it. it. Read it over and over. It just encourages and strengthens your faith. Look at what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. It's very personal. It's very personal. Of course, he leads everybody, but he sees you and your situation. He knows you and your needs. He cares about you and all of your worries. He watches you. He preserves you. Listen, a million of our temptations can be battled with this one truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to chase after the world's definition of success. I'm not going to step outside of God's way to find fulfillment elsewhere. I'm not going to circle the wagons and just take care of me and my family because the Lord is my shepherd and I'm not going to be wanting. Because you and I, if we're honest, we fear want, don't we? We start panicking if we ever think that we are going to come up short or run out. We lose sleep when there's more months than money, when we feel like our peace or our okayness is going to run dry. But look at the promise. Am I making noises? I'm sorry. Look at the promise. Look at the absolute confidence David has in his shepherd. And don't forget, at one point in his life, David was on the run from Saul for eight years. He was a fugitive for eight years and still he can say, because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not going to suffer want. So I want to unpack this promise for you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have all you need. 
been doing a lot of reading about shepherds and sheep, and the more I learn, the more this psalm comes alive, and the more I realize how much of a sheep I am. (laughs) You see, sheep are super skittish critters. They are literally afraid of everything, and they are utterly dependent on the care of their shepherd. Utterly. They are not super smart. And they can't find where to eat. They can't find where to find water. The shepherd has to guide them. And, and don't take offense, but we are likened to sheep in the Bible. It's the word of God. Don't, argue, don't, don't be mad at me. Be mad at God. Just kidding. <laughs> Sheep's only defense mechanism is to run. And so they, they, they remain standing wherever they are. They, they always want to be uh, able to take off whenever they get afraid. And so sheep don't on their own lie down in green pastures. One pastor, Pastor Philip Keller, who was a shepherd most of his life, says this, because sheep are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. So that's one thing the shepherd has to take care of. Because they are social animals, they won't lie down if there's friction among the flock. Anybody got any friction going on in their family? Okay. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lay down. If sheep are anxious about food or they're hungry, They're not going to lie down. Listen to me. The only way that a shepherd can make his sheep lie down in green pastures is if they feel safe and they feel satisfied. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I wonder if anyone this morning finds it hard to rest these days. Worried about finances, worried about health, worried about family members, worried about past mistakes, worried about the world in which we live. Last Sunday, Pastor Gary said that we should not be in a hurry to worry, and that applies here as well. The shepherd doesn't give rest to his sheep by ridding the whole world of every danger. The wolves are still out there, but the sheep lie down And really rest because they know their shepherd. They know he's going to take care of them. They know he sees them. And they know that he can take care of business. I love this part of scripture when David as a teenager goes to King Saul. And remember Goliath had been taunting the army of Israel for 40 days. 40 days, the whole army is shaking in their boots and little shepherd boy David comes up and he says, hey, I'd like a go at him. So I was like, that is so cute, son. (laughs) But you are not a warrior. You are a shepherd for heaven's sakes. And I love David's answer. This is how we can be sure that our shepherd can take care of business. Listen to what David said to Saul. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. (laughs) And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant, little shepherd, shepherd boy David, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Now, I'm not minimizing what any of us in this room are going through right now. But I want us all to hear this truth that if the Lord is your shepherd, 
He is so much more powerful than anything that is robbing you of your rest and your peace. I love 1 John 4 that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater. Sheep are terrified of moving water. <laughs> Bless their hearts. They are not fantastic swimmers, but also if they fall in, their fleece fills up with, uh, with water and they sink and they drown. And so a good shepherd will lead his sheep to still waters. And if there are no still waters, he will work to dam up a river so that there are still waters so that his sheep can be satisfied. Can you already see that a good shepherd works constantly on behalf of his sheep? We may not see it. We may think he's gone. Lord, where are you? This is happening to me. Why are you allowing this? But God is never away from you. He's always working, always doing things on your behalf because you are his beloved. He knows you. He knows what you want. The sheep don't need to know where the green pastures are or where the still waters are. They just need to know where their shepherd is. They just need to keep their eyes on their shepherd. You see, David was a shepherd, but God exalted him to be a king. Jesus, Jesus Christ, the king of kings, humbled himself to become your and my good shepherd. So if that shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, you have all you need. Let's move on to verse 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're never alone. Last summer, I went through a season of depression. Never gone through anything like that. I mean, I had some angsty teenage years like everybody else, but this was something unlike anything I had ever experienced. I don't know if you guys have ever gone through this particular valley, but the feeling of hopelessness was suffocating. I remember telling one of my pastors that I didn't think God could use me anymore because I was all used up. I was done. I was so confused as to how I ended up in this place. I felt lost and, and disoriented. I was ashamed that I wasn't okay and that I couldn't for the life of me pull myself out of this place. I was helpless to fix it. At first, I had a hard time concentrating. I knew I needed to go to the Word. Like, I, I, I know that's where I needed to go. But I couldn't pray. I couldn't think. I couldn't read. And so I listened to Scripture over and over and over. I must have listened to Psalm 23 
a thousand times. And the Lord met me there. He met me there with everything I need, but with his presence. I wasn't alone in that valley that I couldn't pull myself out of. Y'all know me, I'm up, I'm up, I'm, I'm, let's go, let's go. And I was not. And it was all I could do to, to get out of bed in the morning. I remember Kay, my husband, being, he just kind of, he was helpless. He didn't know what to do. And so I would, I would literally sit in, in my chair outside and, and just listen to scripture and look at the trees. It was all I could do. I was in this valley and I couldn't pull myself out. But God, as I was listening to Psalm 23 over and over and over, he met me there. He drew me in. He taught me more of who he is through these words. And these words started feeling like the strong hands of a good shepherd reaching down into my darkness, into my shame, and gently lifting me up. Because you see, the word of God is unlike any other word. The word of God is alive and active. It has creative power that affects change. Remember, God spoke everything that exists into existence with his words. Let there be light. And the idea and the substance of light burst into reality from his words. And he's given us his words. The words of God are unlike any other self-help book, any other podcast, any other whoever you're reading. The word of God is alive and it's active and it affects change. It creates in us hope. It creates in us courage. It creates in us peace and purpose. I experienced that. And I invite you to experience that as well. Go to the Word. Before you're in the valleys, please, go to the Word. If you look in my Bible, in Psalm 23, you're going to see this. There's a couple of words that are circled and circled and circled again. And one of those words is the word through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I was so taken by a God whose grace leads us through the valley, not to the valley. He leads us through the valley. You see, God allows the valleys. Sometimes he even leads us there. But we're never alone in those places. I have this picture of, um, you know, when you take your kids to the beach for the first time. I remember Kay holding my daughter's hand and walking out and the ocean's coming and it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I remember yelling out to Kay like, hold her, like hold her. You got her right. You got her. And I can't remember if it was Conley or Kylie, but they look back at me and they're like, I've got him. Like I'm holding on. It's like, oh baby, you don't even know. <laughs> because at some point... 
our strong, our good shepherd, he's got to hold on to us. We can hold on to him all we want, but he is holding on to us. So he leads us to these valleys sometimes, but he never lets go. Romans 8.28 promises that he works those times for our good. Notice in the first three verses, uh, David talks about God as he. He leads me, he does this, he does that. But when we get to David being in the valley of the shadow of death, he uses the more personal, more intimate pronoun, you. You. You are with me. Your rod and your staff. You anoint my head with oil. His eyes are on a shepherd. You see, in those times, there's something deeper that happens between us and our God. We turn fully to him and we find him faithful every time. And you realize you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. He's got you. You realize that though the valleys are not good, your shepherd, your shepherd is. And he never leaves you. Can anyone look back on their life and see that their good shepherd has led them? I know some of your stories <laughs> has led you through the valley. And look at this. The valley through which we're led is called the valley of the shadow of death. One commentator reminds us, the shadow of a snake can't bite you. The shadow of a sword cannot kill you. And the shadow of death cannot destroy you. Death in its substance has been utterly defeated. Only its shadow remains for those who are in Christ Jesus. We only face the shadow of death because Jesus, our good shepherd, took the full reality of death in our place on the cross. So the presence of your shepherd doesn't eliminate the presence of evil, but eliminates the fear of evil. We don't have to be afraid. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes we look at Jesus as this sweet, squishy guy who's just always nice. And when you, when, you, when you dig in and you see what shepherds, who shepherds were, their, their rod was this two foot, is this two feet, guys? Y'all are better at this. This two foot club made out of oak and the, the, the head of it was, this, was the knot of the oak and they would hammer sharp metal into it. This was a picture of our good shepherd wielding his power on, against our enemies. So when it says your rod and your staff, a rod's not just a sweet little thing. Like I like it. It meant business. And then the shepherd's crook with its hook at the end was what a shepherd would use and he would gently tap the sheep when they started to stray. And the hook, if they got into trouble, he would use that hook to reach down and grab them out of danger. And so over and over, there's this picture. I, I hope you're encouraged with knowing how much God works on your behalf, how much he is guiding you, how much he is protecting you, how much he is pulling you out of these places of danger. 
Now, when we get to verse 5, which starts with, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, most commentaries would say that the metaphor switches. And, and we're not looking at God being a shepherd anymore. We're looking at him being a lavish host. Hosting a place where we are so safe that God can prepare this, this wonderful meal for us right in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are standing around and we just eaten. It's fantastic. So lavish that he anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Now this is a wonderful, accurate picture of our God. But as I was reading shepherds' accounts of this, and as I was reading even Jewish rabbis, they have, they have a different take on it. You see, the Judean countryside where David would have shepherded his sheep was not this pastoral, just lush and abundant place. This is what we picture when we picture Psalm 23. Oh, isn't that so sweet? It's lush. It's abundant. Shepherd can just sit down, kick his feet up, like put the sheep on, remote, on autopilot, just... Do his thing. Y'all go. Do your thing. When David was a shepherd, and what he's talking about, the reality where shepherds had to lead their flock looked like this. It was rocky. The vegetation was sparse. The shepherd had to be on his P's and Q's, constantly watching, constantly with his eyes on his sheep. The, the, um, the best place to lead your sheep were up on this place called the tablelands or the mesas, right? And, and the shepherd would lead them up there. There was more vegetation up there. Uh, it was easier to see the, the um, enemies who were coming up the sides. And so eventually they wanted to get up there. But the shepherd had to go beforehand he had to prepare this table because there were uh, toxic and poisonous plants that the, sh the sheep will eat anything. They're dumb. And so they would eat these plants and they would die. And so the shepherd had to prepare a table in the presence of his enemies. The shepherd had to go up, climb up all that business to get to the top and hand pluck all of these poisonous plants to protect his flock. Literally preparing a table in the presence of many enemies. And I want to remind you, for your encouragement, that your God does that for you as well. He prepares this place for you, for your peace and for your satisfaction. Even your joy and your abundance in the presence of so many enemies. Enemies that want to steal, kill, and destroy the life that God has for you. Enemies that lurk in our minds like doubt or fear or apathy or lust or shame or anger or addiction. Your shepherd has already gone before. And when we stay in his paths, when we follow him, when our eyes are on him, he's already prepared it. He's there in the darkest valleys. He's there with his rod and staff to protect you. He's there when enemies surround you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're never alone. And lastly, let's look at verse 6. I love this. Surely, 
Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I get an amen after that one? That is an awesome promise. So as David the shepherd king looks over the span of his life, he rejoices and he boasts in his God who has brought him thus far who has guided him and protected him and provided for him. And he is boasting in God going, look, it's not over now. He's going to continue to guide me and protect me and provide for me. So the promise is this. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have hope for now and for the future. Surely, look at these, look at these words. Surely, goodness and mercy shall, not might, shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can, can you just picture it? Your good shepherd always with you. Goodness and mercy as your rear guard, always. Have you ever put your trust in something that like let you down? Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was investment. You put all your hope in it. You were just so excited. And they betrayed you, or the job wasn't what it was supposed to be, or the investment was not all that the hype was. That'll never happen when you put your hope in Jesus. When you put every aspect of your life under his care, because sometimes we'll say that he's my shepherd, but is your marriage under his care? Are your kids under his care? Is your job under his care? Are your finances under his care? Is your health under his care? He'll never let you down. You can put all your eggs in that basket. He's never going to let you down. You're never going to get to the end of your life ashamed. Like, dang it, why did I spend all my time following that guy? It'll never happen. Psalm 25.3 says, all who hope in you will never be put to shame. You have all the hope of his goodness, all the hope of his mercy right now and forever. You can walk in that. You can trust this promise. One of the saddest stories I read while I was researching shepherds and sheep was from a guy who was a shepherd most of his life, then he was a pastor. And from his stories, you can tell he loved his flock. Like he made sure that each one of them was safe and healthy and satisfied and protected. His family, they would stay up all night. They would work from dusk till dawn. His joy was in seeing his lambs flourish. This is your God. <laughs> his joy is seeing you flourish. But the ranch next to his was owned by a guy who cared nothing about his sheep. His sheep were always hungry and emaciated and, and disease-ridden and, and just were tormented by parasites and insects and left out in, in the elements. And one night, three of that guy's sheep got into the good shepherd's pasture. And because they went from starving to gorging themselves, they became very, very ill. And the shepherd found them in the middle of his field completely incapacitated. They needed medical attention immediately. 
And so because they weren't his, he gathers up these pitiful lambs. He runs over to his neighbor and he brings them to him and is explaining, you know, I'm so sorry they got in my field, all the things. And the, the rancher takes out a knife and slits all three of their throats. He didn't want to be bothered with that medical attention. He didn't love his flock. Those sheep were not under the care of a good shepherd. But we are. We can be. That's the invitation. Because listen to me. The quality of your life and your eternity entirely depends on who your shepherd is. Who you're following. The quality of your life depends entirely upon who your shepherd is. So my question for us this morning, is he? Is he your shepherd? Not just because you prayed a prayer at one time or you walked an aisle at one time, but because you follow him with all you've got, Every aspect of your life, you're following Jesus. Your eyes are on him. You're staying on his path. Are you following him? There are so many people that we follow, political leaders, business leaders, sports players and coaches. All, like, there are so many people we follow, but are we following Jesus? Are we looking to him for answers? Have you trusted him to be your shepherd. I just want to invite you to put every aspect of your, your life under his care. And right now, we're going to go into a time of prayer. I'm going to pray, and then Cam is going to come up and sing. And, and I, just, I just want us to be still for a little bit. I want us to take assessment of our lives and just, just make sure that we know, that we know, that we know that we are following our good shepherd, that under his care is every aspect of our life. And if not, I invite you to put it under his life. I mean, put it under his care, every aspect. I'm going to pray and then Cam's going to come up. Let's pray. God, we praise you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have set your affections upon us. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of who you are. You have invited us into your flock. You call us your own. You call us by name. You love us. And God, I, I don't understand it, but I, I thank you for that love that never leaves us alone. A love that provides for everything that we need. A love that sorts out all the things when our life feels chaotic. God, I thank you for being our good shepherd. And I pray, I thank you for the invitation that we can put all of our eggs in that basket, that we can put everything under your care. And God, I pray that we would do that. And so Lord, be exalted during this time. Be blessed. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. 
And it's in his precious and holy and powerful name, the name above all names that we pray. Amen. Amen.